Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas, and God bless us, everyone. Welcome to my Christmas Time Capsule 2023, Part 1. Yep, catchy title. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and throughout this year, I've been talking to people about the five things from their life that they'd like to have in a time capsule. Four things they love, and one thing they'd like to bury and forget. And as a special Christmas treat, I've invited some of those guests back to tell me the one thing that they love, or loathe about Christmas that we can put in a very glittery Christmas time capsule. And so many people said yes that we have two episodes of festive fun for you. But in this particular cracker, we have a hat, obviously, a joke, how does Margot Robbie decorate her Christmas cake with three wise Kens, if she can find them, and a gift in the shape of the host of Taskmaster and leader of the horn section, the wonderful Alex Horn. So, one, two, three, snap! Oh, I've lost again. Merry Christmas, Alex. Lovely to have you on the Merry Christmas My Time capsule. I think that's what we're going to call it. Uh, lovely to be with you. Yeah, lovely to be with you on Christmas Day. Is it Christmas Day? It, it, almost, yes. How have you been since I last spoke to you? I've been absolutely fine. I mean, I've missed you. Of course. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, I've been fine. It's Well, Christmas has been approaching so rapidly. Mm. So, uh, But luckily, I've got everything ready this year. Very organised. You're organised then? Not normally, but um, yeah, this year... I think having done the podcast, that got me in the mood mm. to uh, make the most of things. It sort of led you to organise your life better, is that? It, it did, to treasure the things that matter, <laughs> something, something like that. Lovely. Okay. So what would you put in a Christmas time capsule? I'm going to put in something that we do in our family and that generations of horns have done, and I want future generations of people to do, because I love games. That's what Taskmaster... A lot is inspired by the games we used to play as a family at Christmas mm. with my grandparents and my parents. And the main game we played at Christmas was the pineapple game. 
<laughs> so I'm going to put in a solitary pineapple. Mm-hmm. And the game is very simple. The eldest member of the house holds the pineapple above his head or her head and says to the assembled family, how many leaves are on the pineapple? Uh, the pineapple is then passed around the group. You're allowed to hold it for 10 seconds and inspect the pineapple. Um, you can feel the leaves on the top. You can't remove any, but you can have a good look, but only for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. It goes around the group, and then everyone says a number, and Grandpa or Grandma Horn will write down the number. Everyone puts in 20p. It's gone up to a pound, actually, recently. Wow. And you've got a huge family. so Yeah, big family. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of money to be won here. Then for the next 40 minutes, Grandpa will ceremoniously detach the leaves from the top of the pineapple. And people will get disappointed when their number is passed. <laughs> and I'll ask you now, Michael, how many leaves do you think are on the average pineapple? I'd say <laughs> I'm going to go for an even number. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for eight. Right. Mm. Is that correct? Well, no, I mean, it varies with every pineapple, but it's, it's normally over 100. Good Lord. So those leaves at the top, I'm going to show you, because I have a pineapple tattoo in honour of this game. There's my pineapple there. Oh, wow, of course. So they, they really do proliferate at the top. So if you imagine there's like 20 there on show, and that's just on one side of the pineapple, but within the pineapple, and they get smaller and smaller, further and further, and just the tiny ones, they all count mm-hmm. in the game. Yeah. So, so this game goes on and on and on. So we know now to guess. If someone guesses 60, they are scoffed at. <laughs> occasionally you get... Occasionally you get a sort of malnourished pineapple that gives maybe 78 or something, but it's normally about 104. Wow. And that's why it takes so long, and he teases them out, and there's arguments at the end about what is a leaf and what isn't a leaf, and that's up to the um, eldest, <laughs> the, course, the elder. the arbiter, yeah. yes. And they say when it ends, and sometimes they're accused of favouring the youngsters over the um, more mature members of the family. <laughs> the people who should win. But they always deny that. And it's it's coincidental that often the youngest person wins. <laughs> and gets all the money. Yeah. And I think, actually, it's not a great game. But we do it every year, and we all enjoy it every year. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll carry on, and I'm sure my kids will carry on. Because all you need is one pineapple. And I love a game that doesn't need any equipment. Mm-hmm. Or has too many rules. Yeah. 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 You're just picking a number and saying it. But we all sit around and watch him count. And it's so fun. And we've discovered since... I've talked about this before, and... Um, other families have said, we do the pineapple game. And I don't know where, you know, we've not tried to trace it back. But their parents did it, and they presume their parents did it. So. That's it. No, we play the um, the names in a hat game where you have to yeah. do. But I think that's fairly traditional for lots of people. So this year, I think definitely I'll buy a pineapple, although I'm afraid it may well remind my wife of childbirth. Because when she was asked what having a baby was like, she said it was like oh, no. trying to crap a pineapple the wrong way round. I mean, there isn't really a right way around with a pineapple, but yes, I, yeah. Do you know what I mean, yeah. Oh, dear. Well. That's leaves first. Yeah, and she did it more than once. Yes, on I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, dear. Well, that's slightly tarnished the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, so, yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Michael. <laughs> There you go, how to ruin Alex Horn's family Christmas. A good start. Uh, but what's in our second Christmas cracker? I've already opened it, actually, while you were listening to Alex. And uh, I am wearing a lovely gold crown made of paper. That won't last long. Right, let's see what the joke is. Um, 
And what's the difference between the Polar Express and HS2? Well, one's a fantasy about a train, and the other's a film with Tom Hanks. Election year coming up, everyone. Do your best. Oh, and talking of elections, just look at our second lovely gift. It's Count Binface himself, the comedian, writer and producer, John Harvey. Let's find out what he wants in the Christmas time capsule. So probably like a lot of people, I have plenty of things I would happily bury and never see again <laughs> from Christmas's past and... Oh, I've had I've had some bad ones when I was growing mm. up, but I'm I I think Christmas is a time for being positive. So let's go with something lovely and wonderful to to pop in a time capsule. Good. I'm actually going to pick the feeling of going to festive sports. Right. Um, I want to pop that in the time capsule. It's when, particularly on Boxing Day, when there's a full football schedule and mm -hmm. you've just spent the last couple of days everyone sort of holed up at home you know gorging themselves silly in their family units and suddenly on boxing day thousands upon thousands of people pour out onto the streets and and meet in these sort of you know cathedrals of football and other sports to uh to come together and i, I there's something it makes football such a richer experience than it is normally because you're mm. seeing everyone at this time when there's, there's no work, they've just been with their families, and you feel like you're sort of <laughs> privy to everyone's joy. There's such there's such a different vibe. It, it's to, it's intangible, and yet there's a wonder to it. And then even if you're not going to the sport, when you watch final score on a Christmas day and there's the Christmas tree, and there's something so different about Christmas generally, and somehow it filters into the sporting world particularly football i've had it when i i sometimes go and watch a uh, there's a rugby match at twickenham every christmas that mm. um harlequins play and uh, my friend james and i try and go to that when we can until my baby was born anyway we used to go every year <laughs> yeah and that was wonderful too just that feeling of getting out it's so easy i don't know about you but for years and years it was so easy just to spend the entire sort of christmas week at home watching telly and gorging yourself silly but it actually it's it, it makes you go out it makes you go and be part of the community. And and this is, there's something, when you're not living in a sort of religious society like we're not anymore, mm. I don't want to be too cliched, but you know, sport, these sporting temples are places where everyone comes to, you know, inverted commas, worship, be there communally and enjoy something together. There is something magical about it. There's, there's something magical about it anyway, but somehow Christmas sport, Christmas football especially, is just wonderful and i want to pop that in the capsule that's gorgeous do they change the chants do they do they sing christmasy carolly chants that's what if i would only, do I, that would be lovely although if they did bob geldof would get hold of it wouldn't he and it's uh, true he'd probably hijack it for charity reasons um or lad baby would just do horrible sausage roll versions of uh we're by far the best team the world has ever seen um yes yeah, uh, true god, god forbid and, you know we're the kings of the premier league I'd look forward. Oh. I'd, I'd get them going. You see, you say that I, I'm um, more and more sceptical about uh, uh, football chanting. In that, I was, I was listening to it was on the Liverpool playing the other day, and they and they do that thing on the radio, and they say, uh, "We're just going to let, we're just going to not say anything now while they while they sing," and they sing, "You'll never walk alone." Yeah, and obviously, it's this wonderful anthemic. It's, it's, it's vast. I've never been to Anfield, but you can only imagine how spine tingling it is until mm. uh, when the music sort of cuts out. And they all start singing way too fast. And there's no one, there's no one keeping the rhythm. They do this at Spurs as well, like when the Spurs yes. go marching in. And they all go out of time. And I'm I'm sitting there going, No, listen to each other, guys. You're ruining and, and it all just sort of falls apart. So um There'll be some bloke down the front with his shirt off on there, surely. Standing on the front. They do have them actually. 
they there was usually if you look at the hardcore sections of some there'll be a ringleader i don't mm. know how these guys get like elected or appointed but there'll be like one fan who's like they don't even watch the game they're too busy rousing <laughs> yeah you know the the troops for the yes. and you know, they, they're doing an important service, but um, Leonard Bernstein they are not, um, <laughs> and uh, you know they need to work on their timing. And then, and then they criticise footballers for their timing. Blimey, you know, <laughs> fans need to yeah, look in the mirror, right? Yeah, I ran an a cappella group. This is how depressing I am. When I was at university, I was a music director of an a cappella group for four years. That's mm. why I can't stand the music being out of time. And uh, <laughs> I know how hard it is to sing in time. Uh. <laughs> Well, one day. But uh, yes, I think that lovely Boxing Day Christmas sporting event. Yeah, that communal feeling. The feeling of being with other people who share that passion. I'm sure other people do it for other things, but for, for millions of people, it's that feeling of Christmas sports. I just want, I'd love to bottle that and pop that in a capsule. Well, this year, though, you have to start. We're the kings of the Premier League and see what happens. I'll try. I don't know if I, I'd love to. This is the thing. Now I've got a two-year-old trying to get to sport. This is the other reason I'm popping it in the capsule is I'm th- I think I'm just nostalgic for when the times when I could actually go because there's no way in a million years I'm going to be <laughs> I, to get to, to White Hart Lane and back again on Boxing Day is... Uh, well, is maybe White Hart Lane you can sing, I saw three goals, go sailing by on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. For a Spurs fan, that's optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I like this idea. I think we need to try and institute it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We'll get it going next year. Yeah. But in the meantime, have a lovely Christmas. Thank you very much, John. You too, Michael, and and everyone else listening. Happy Christmas. Yeah, I'm going to vote for you this year, without a doubt. I think this year you're going to win. Oh, that, this- abs- I should say to everyone, 2024 is the big year. Count bin face, London mayoral election, general <laughs> election, presidential election. He's going for the treble. Make your <laughs> votes count. Brilliant. Make your vote count. Now, that's the sort of slogan every party will be jealous of. Right, cracker number three. I'm afraid I tore the hat trying to open it, and the joke is not great. Uh, What happened to Mark Zuckerberg's novelty jumper when he had a cage fight with Elon Musk? He was left with nothing but threads. This is topical. Still, the gift in this one makes up for the rest of the tat. It's the star of Blackadder, Upstart Crow, Family Affairs, Brookside, and most recently, Coronation Street, the lovely actor, Gabrielle Glaister. So what we're going to do, Gabby, is we're going to talk about something you want to put in a Christmas time capsule. Uh It can be something you love or something you loathe about Christmas. Right. I have been called the Christmas fascist before, so I think I've eased <laughs> off a bit. I'm quite strict in what I like. But do you know what I'm going to keep? I'm going to keep bread sauce. Isn't that interesting? Because some people absolutely think that's the most pointless thing in the world. I know. Well, I'm going to be spending Christmas in Northern Ireland with my partner and his family. I don't think they'd even heard of it. They certainly don't understand it. <laughs> I'm going to be absolutely without it, I imagine. I mean, bread sauce and gravy, and my brother and I, it's one of the things you do on Christmas Eve. You know, mm. you, you do the sprouts and you do peel all the vegetables and you do Delia's bread sauce. You infuse the milk with um, cloves stuck in the onion and peppercorns and bay leaves. Mm-hmm. And my, my brother has an arga, so when I'm there, you just sort of leave it hanging around at the back of the arga and then you put your breadcrumbs in it and then you put loads of double cream in it. That and gravy that's just i could just have that by itself <laughs> and my wife is with you on this so are my children but i always think that surely it was invented 
to fill up the meal when you couldn't afford proper food. Yeah, it probably was. My partner talks about quite a lot of food that I like, mainly from the 70s, from being mm. a child, I guess, which a lot of which was from post-war, corned beef hash, stuff that uses up. Yeah, it's well, a in a way, stuffing in a turkey and things like that, that yeah. is, it's just to yeah. bulk it up a bit, isn't Padding. it? Yeah. You see, also, Northern Irish people, I'm not, you know, I like them very much, apart from this thing, and the fact they don't really like gravy. They don't have wet meals. What? Not really. They don't oh. do a lot of gravy. Swimming in gravy. I like mm. it. See, there may be, I'm questioning now whether, in fact, gravy is the thing that makes the bread sauce nice. Yeah, would I eat it on its own? Mm. Well, I might, actually, with a lot of cream in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why you not? have a lot of cream in it. I love it. The other week, I actually made myself some from a packet. I was on my own for a couple of days and I had some chicken and I just, I didn't even do potatoes. I just had chicken and bread sauce. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds nice now. When I was a kid, it used to be a treat that you had lots of different sorts. Well, now you had two sorts of potatoes. Don't do that anymore. The treat was you had mashed potato and roast potato. Yes. The problem is I think you should have Christmas plates large enough to take all the ridiculous amount of food you put on it. Because yeah. it all looks so lovely, doesn't it? There's all these different varieties, so many vegetables, and and then you have things like pigs in blankets or, you know, mm. we've also got three vegetarians in my family, so all those vegetarian things come along. You see, it's where all three of my brothers are vegetarians, so there's all he has is nut roast, but nut yeah. roast is really similar to stuffing. So I think it's a trick to somehow do a stuffing that's not like the nut roast. Yes, but they're tempting, aren't they? So if you're not a vegetarian and all those things are there, along with all the the meat and the other stuff that you could eat. You eat that as well. You eat everything. But it's... I love roast dinner, you see. <laughs> roast dinner is one of my favourite things. So, mm. And I love the leftovers. <laughs> Me and my mum used to, I wouldn't do it now, I don't think, have dripping toast on Boxing Day. That's really? a war thing, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah, that is. My Uncle John would always have bread with every meal, basically. No matter yeah. how posh the meal, he'd... Well, you need bread and butter. It sort of makes sense, I think. Also, I think you are absolutely stuck with what you start with in life, as far yeah. as food's concerned. I've got a friend who, if you put any sort of offal in front of him, he's delighted. Really? Because that's what his parents fed him when he was a child. Whereas yeah. I know, and this is a strange thing to know about yourself, but I know, and I've told my wife this, that if she put shepherd's pie in front of me every day of my life... Would you be happy? Oh, gorgeous. Yeah, me too. My friends once um, on my birthday, because they know if I have a slight hangover, leftover shepherd's pie is the thing. And Mm. my friends once I was there and um, she made me a shepherd's pie for my breakfast as a birthday present. Uh, That's thoughtful. (laughs) Yummy. And yet my wife clearly doesn't love me because she very rarely makes it for me. Uh, Well, get another wife. (laughs) 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 <laughs> are you available yeah because we glad we just sit and eat shepherd's pie all the be time. marvelous and i'm happy for you to have as much bread sauce as you like yes <laughs> yes well i'm going to put bread sauce into the time capsule that's your thank choice thank you very much i hope you have a lovely christmas yeah you too thanks gabby lovely Bread sauce and shepherd's pie for all. The gift that keeps returning. Right, I'm not giving up on this Christmas cracker analogy yet. Don't you worry. This one's full of surprises. How they fitted a top hat in there, heaven knows. And the joke is, did you hear about the Christmas cake on display at the British Museum? It was solid. Now, come on, that's not bad. As is the gift. 
or guests, as people are sometimes known, and he's one of the Perrier-nominated comedy team Pappies. He's a writer for The John Bishop Show, The Now Show, Hypothetical, The Last Leg, Blankety Blank, and loads more. He's a performer in Bad Olds, 8 Out of 10 Cats, Does Countdown, and Uncle, and lots of other things, and podcaster extraordinaire. It's the lovely Matthew Crosby. I love Christmas. I'm very excited about Christmas. I really enjoy it. I think, I think as you get older, you realise that it's actually Christmas Eve you're excited about and Boxing Day. Mm. I think those are the two, like, I do love Christmas and I'm not a sort of Scrooge or anything at all. Uh, but I think you realise that uh, Christmas Eve, the anticipation, the excitement, Boxing Day, the relaxation and <laughs> the, you know, like, if anything, I think you could eat even more on Boxing Day than you can on Christmas Day because it's... There's no sit down to a meal that's been prepared. It's no. kind of all day grazing. We've got all this stuff to get through. We've got to have these turkey sandwiches. You know, <laughs> I, I, I love I love that. And you're past the point of pretending that the presents were nice, aren't you? You, you just got to go, well, they're in a pile in my room. I'll look at them again later. Well, it's funny you should talk about that because that's sort of what I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to get mm-hmm. into. Because you gave me the option of either going for something nice. Yeah. Or something that I want to banish. Mm -hmm. And this is a bit of sort of um, personal growth for me. (laughs) Uh, I would like to, to, I'd like to banish my attitude to receiving presents. Right. Because I don't know, how are you as a present receiver? I'm at a point now where I'm slightly annoyed that I even get any. I'm already at that point. Ah. I'm already at that point. It seems like a, a, a great affront to people mm-hmm. when you say, oh, nothing. And I genuinely do mean it. If they say, what do you want? I don't want anything. Well, we have something from the kids. You've got to have something from the kids. No, it's fine. I don't need anything. And uh, the problem is I'm a grown man with my own money yes. and access to Amazon Prime, you know. <laughs> and if you need it, you'll get to it. The shops. Yeah, if I need it, I can get it. And I can <laughs> think about it. The second I think I need that, one click of the phone, it'll be arriving tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a van. And that's obviously, that's that's kind of both wonderful and terrible about our, our world. But presents are for, are for children, right? Mm. They are for little kids. Mm-hmm. But the, the problem is, because you're trained as a little kid, I mean, actually, our kids are really at that age where they're just sort of discovering what Christmas is. Yeah, They're four and they're two. Uh, so, But the four-year-old... I was going to say struggles with Christmas, but but how do you not? Because for a pe- they don't understand what this concept of time is, right? So that, you know, you, if I if I woke them up to, tomorrow morning and said it's Christmas Day, they would go, "Yep, yeah, absolutely right, it's Christmas Day." <laughs> yeah. If I woke them up and said it was Halloween or Easter or whatever, they go, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's all believable. It's your birthday today." They don't know any of this because they're so they're too young to kind of process all of this. Mm. Um, so you you can kind of you can kind of tell them anything, but but there is a period of about two weeks where they're constantly getting new things. Yeah. Because people show up with presents. So either, they're either presents that they can't unwrap or presents that they go, look, we bought you this, but just unwrap it now because you don't want to, you know, like you want to make the, the day too overwhelming. And so there's like a, a fortnight, you know, for, pretty much 14 days when they're always getting something or they're getting to do something exciting. Today we're off to a grotto. Today we're, you know, today we're going for a nice Christmas lunch with the in-laws and mm-hmm. stuff. So there's always something big and different. And kids are sort of creatures of habit. As soon as you break that habit, they don't know how to deal with it. And I think I've never quite got over that. <laughs> I'm, I'm still that now. Yeah. So I, I remember even in my like in my like late teens and 20s, I would be really surly mm. if it wasn't exactly what I'd asked for. Mm. And so one of the great things about sort of starting to earn money in my in my kind of, you know, 
I guess early early twenties it would have been was I, I could go well I've, I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> if I want something, I just go and get it. The other thing that people like to do is they like to go the extra mile on <laughs> things that you just go no, don't go the extra mile. This is that is exactly what I, what I'm after. <laughs> like um like my my in laws who I love I think they're absolutely wonderful people. Uh, but they said um what what can we get you've got to get you something and I said well I I. I, I love red wine. Get me a bottle of red wine. Mm. And then on the day they gave me a bottle of whiskey because they were like, oh, but red wine didn't seem enough. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but I don't drink whiskey. I drink red wine. So where's my bottle of red? And then you're suddenly being given a bottle of whiskey, which is a lovely, generous, kind gift. Mm. And, and you know, and you're in your 30s and going, sorry, I don't want this. Take it back. <laughs> What 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 a monster! What a monster I've become! <laughs> Think of the bottle of red wine you could have bought me with thirty quid. Oh, bloody hell! Exactly, that's yeah. it. You can get a really nice bottle of red wine. For, yeah, and then and then my my parents because my parents hate it when I say functional things. I, I like, for example, they, I, like a, cu- a couple of years ago, now I said to them, I need a new iPhone charger for the car. Right. Just an iPhone charger. I don't even need the plug-in bit because I've got all that. Mm-hmm. Just need the lead. I need an iPhone lead for the car. <laughs> And then on the day they gave it to me, was there a car attached? Oh, if only that would be. That's you know what? That's a level of going above and beyond. I would be totally fine with. Um, but but they gave it to me, and it was two meters long. And they were like, "Oh, we thought we'd get you a really long one." It's like, no, it's for the car. It's not for. It's not for my neighbour's car. We're not going to be driving along in convoy. I don't need to plug it in indoors. No. <laughs> I can nip to the shops and back, and not have to worry about it. But then again. It's my inability to handle other people's kindness. Mm. But the problem is I'm a control freak and Christmas is not a good time for control freaks, even though we think it is because mm. like, okay, I can work out all the food. I could do all this. T- I could spend ages working out the timings. I can start prepping the, the meal three days in advance. It feels like a great time for control freaks. It feels like, you know, <laughs> it's Christmas for control freaks, but it isn't because <laughs> so many things can go wrong and there's so many extra factors. And then you, you come to the table and you find that somebody's already pulled a cracker and you go, no, no. Oh. No, the crackers happen after the main course <laughs> and before the desserts. I don't know how many times I, I've explained this. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, we're obviously very similar. <laughs> and it's it's terrible, but I would love to be able to be a gracious gift receiver. I'm not a bad gift giver, you know. I'm, I, you know, I've got my little list on my phone of the things that people I've spoken to that I know I'm going to buy, be buying gifts for. I've mm. got my list. It will happen. That's all fine. I don't mind well, giving as gifts. As we know, you're a man who can buy something and it arrives tomorrow, so you're not worried about it. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, there yeah. will come a time, though, and I, this is a thing to look forward to, when your children who are four and two, when they're at school, they have these little school fairs where they, you give them a fiver and then they go round and they pick a present and they, they pick a present basically for you. You've paid for your own present and they turn up with a surprise. Now, my granddaughter did it for me a few years ago. In the summer, I jumped in the sea excitedly and then realised that I had my wallet in my shorts. So I spent the whole day drying everything out in the sun. And she remembered that. And come Christmas, she turned up and she gave me on Christmas Day a new wallet. And I was so touched by it. It's the most precious thing. 
That is really wonderful. So those are the sort of gifts that can come. I'm, of course, now going, well, obviously all my cards are on my phone. I don't need this. <laughs> what, I need, what I need is a waterproof bag for my phone so when I jump in the water, it doesn't get wet. <laughs> Why couldn't you have got me that instead? But yeah, no, that's, that's true. That's, that's very, yes. very lovely. You also have the advantage at two and four, as you say, if you say to them, okay, that's the end of this or this has started. It's, it's, it's Halloween now. Uh, I once went on holiday with our kids camping in France And when we arrived, the night we arrived, my wife said, I can't stay here. This place is terrible. And the next morning we woke up and said to the kids, there you go. That's the holiday done. Wasn't it fun? (laughs) (laughs) They believed us. (laughs) That feels a little bit like my my dad used to, he he, he actually did this. uh, We went on a um, canal holiday Mm. uh, a few years ago and, um, we would we'd be going on this canal boat and doing all the locks and all that was very, very fun. But every now and then we'd pass like a big field you could kick a ball around in or, or, or what looked like quite a nice gastropub. And we'd say, hey, should we stop there? And my dad would be like, no, no, I don't think so. Um, we'll carry on, carry on moving. I want to get to a certain point each day. And then at the end of the uh, holiday, he took us for a meal and he announced very proudly, um, we've, uh, we've actually managed to do a two-week holiday in one week. <laughs> We were like, what? He's like, they reckon that it takes two weeks to do the course we've just done. We've just done it in one week. And I get, yeah, if you don't stop. <laughs> don't stop ever. You jump through have the, the night. holiday and just do all the travelling, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brilliant. But then, you know, you, you cut to 15 years down the line and I'm the guy trying to beat the sat-nav, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's it, it's there, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, it's in our It's, it's, it's in given our me an DNA. arrival time. There's no way I'm going to arrive at that time. <gasps> it's going to be two minutes before that, without a doubt. You watch me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Even if it means, you know, doing things that are not necessarily the safest thing I can do with my entire family in the car. Listen, we're going to, we're going to do it. It's a, it's a point of pride for me. <laughs> that time has to turn green. <laughs> oh, oh, the green time. I love it. I love it. I feel so, so satisfied. Oh, fantastic. Well, I hope you have a really lovely Christmas with your family and I hope they don't get you anything. You too, Mike. I wish you absolutely nothing for Christmas this year. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bah, humbug. And as Tiny Tim always says, why don't you just borrow some money from your wife? Oh, no, that's the other little one, isn't it? Rishi Sunak. Still, at least the Mad Hatter is gone. Suella Braverman. So she sort of covers the hat and the joke. But just to hammer the point home, why aren't schools doing a nativity play this year? Because they couldn't find a single stable building. Enough of politics, it's Christmas, so instead let's cheer ourselves with our next guest. Undoubtedly one of the most popular guests we've had this year. It's the broadcaster, DJ, chat show host and now councillor, the fabulous Ian Lee. The tree's up. Hooray! Every year I get a tree that's, uh, that's too big. And I said to my kids, I'm going to get a tree that's, that's smaller this year. And I went and got one and I brought it home and it was tiny. It was four <laughs> feet tall and I don't know what I was thinking. And I put it up and it was so small and I kept thinking, I, I don't think I can live with this. I don't think I can live with this. So I, I went on Facebook, gave, gave it away to someone. Yeah. And then I went and bought 
a proper tree that that scrapes the ceiling. A proper... That's exactly what you want. Slightly bent at the top, I think, is always best. <laughs> you want the star or the the uh, fairy bending over, and yes, it's exactly what you want. But, um, Leaning over, looking suicidal. That's that's, that's about to jump. But so that's that's there, and that's not going to get decorated until the weekend when the boys come. They do it. Mm-hmm. We put the Christmas playlist on. They Brilliant. do it. They fight over who gets to do the lights, and it, it, mm-hmm. it becomes. I have. I become Kofi Annan, <laughs> and and the boys. I was going to say they overdo the tree. They don't. They but they every inch is used. <laughs> Fair <laughs> and enough. again, it's 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 magic because I know there will be a point at some point where I go, boys, you want to do the tree? Nah. So mm. I, I love it. I let them. That let day them will do come. It. Yes. Yeah. And then suddenly there'll be twenty eight, and they'll go. Can we come round and do the tree? And they turn back into children. <laughs> it goes back round again. It's funny. I had the boys. I, I don't live with my kids, and we kind of alternate who has Christmas and who has Boxing Day and all of that. And last year, I think I was Christmas Day last year, and it was the first time. Uh, so th- they would have been. They would have just been approaching eleven and thirteen. They would just been mm. approaching eleven thirteen, and it was the first Christmas where we did the presents and we had some food. And then they went upstairs to their room, and I didn't really see them. Ah. And for a while, it really upset me. I thought, oh. Mm -hmm. But then I remembered what I was like when I was 12, 13. I would get my presents, and I'd go up into my room and play. And and that's okay. They were having a great time, you know. So it does. It it, it changes each, each year. It does. But there we are. So what is it then, do you think, about Christmas? That's what I'm going to ask you to do, to put into a time capsule and pick one thing that you would put in there to preserve. This is tough, right? And I do struggle with Christmas. I I thought I liked it, and a few years ago I had the revelation, oh, I don't think I like Christmas, and I don't think I've ever liked it. I've just felt the need to be very loud and make it happen and make sure everyone's happy. Mm. I could trace it back to childhood and and kind of things that happened around Christmas. So I'm not, I, I don't hate it. But I find it a very, I find it a very emotional, very maudlin time. Yeah, having kids completely changes that because the focus is on them and is you can't. I don't think you can see. I've got a couple of presents wrapped <laughs> already. Very good. Um, I'm on top of the Christmas shopping this year. I've got most of the kids' presents, and I've got good presents this year. Not not little tap bits and pieces. <laughs> got good presents. Um, so I think having kids. It changes Christmas and revitalizes it, and it's it's, mm. it's lovely seeing the magic for them. I have chosen a specific Christmas memory of mine. I kept thinking, well, what am I going to talk about today? And this one just kept coming up, and it was Christmas when I was I would have been fourteen years old. 30, I think I was fourteen years old, maybe fifteen actually. And the Christmas before, as the fun stuff, Christmas before on Boxing Day, my dad left, walked out. Wow, mm. imagine that. So this was the first Christmas without our dad. And uh, very kindly, Nanny Jennings, my mum's mum, invited us to her house for Christmas. And this was the first time we'd had Christmas out of the house, first time we'd had it somewhere else. Mm. And and it, obviously it was very emotional. Um, but mum and Nanny Jennings put everything in it to make it work for me and my sister. And I got the best Christmas present I've ever, ever had. This is really geeky and really nerdy, but <laughs> so I used to have a BBC microcomputer and there was a game that came out, still my favorite game, a game called Elite. And it was a space game and you flew around shooting stuff and trading stuff. Yeah. But it came in this really big, thick box. Right? It was like a book. And 
I got this present and opening it, it was, I was blown away. And inside there's a, there was a novel with it. There was a thick old instruction manual that was about a hundred pages long. <laughs> and I spent all of Christmas day reading it and devouring it. Wouldn't be able to play it until I went home on Boxing Day. And it was the most exciting thing. It was the the magic of Christmas because, as I say, it was a very emotional Christmas for us that year. And it's difficult to explain. Mike, it was, it was just such a powerful thing. It was a re- really beautiful gift from my mum. It just reminds me of that Christmas, mm. staying at Nanny Jennings's house in Milton Keynes, which, you know, not everything was great, but uh, <laughs> but um, it was an easy target. But uh, staying at Christmas, I got to sleep on the sofa. I remember, I just remember everything about this Christmas, mm. more so than I think any other one. So that for me is the definitive Christmas, mm-hmm. the definitive present. And I think every year, if I can create something as long lasting as that for my kids, something that they will look back on and go, yeah, that was that was a great Christmas. Then I have done my job as a father. Yes. You, you know, we had some great Christmases. I always mm. I always felt a lot of pressure, even as a ki- really young kid, we have to have fun and this has to go on for as long as possible. <laughs> yes. um, so we had some great Christmases and, 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 and mom did her best and dad did his best when he was around. But yeah, for me, it is all about creating that magic for the boys, you know, they, so last year they would have been nearly 11 and 13. We still went and saw Santa. Now I get really star, genuinely, I get starstruck when we meet Santa. I get, I, I just get all giggly and I, I can't really look at him. No. And we, we, we took the boys and they're very, very tall, my kids. And we went and it was all like toddlers yeah. and, you know, little five-year-olds. And there's these big <laughs> strapping lads going in. And I did feel a little... I wondered if they felt embarrassed, but they didn't. I've got the picture on my fridge and they they loved it. A big old grin. And my youngest mm. came out going, I think that was the real one, not one yeah. of the dudes that sits in for him. So this is the this is a significant Christmas. This is the first one without going to see Santa. I'm seeing them a little bit later in the, in this Christmas. I'm seeing them on the 27th. So this is a significant Christmas. I yeah. think this is this is a really important one. Well, I'm sure like before, you'll make it elite. You're good, Mike. <laughs> You're good. Look at that. How did you work that round like that? Um, so yeah, I should have I'm, been I'm a shit DJ, it. shouldn't I, really? You should have been a shit DJ. You would have you would have done it so well, Michael. Um so yeah, that's 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 the Christmas memory for me, and that's where Christmas is gonna go. Uh, this year, and I'm, I cannot wait. I think I get the boys Friday. I cannot wait. Next Saturday, mm. that tree is going to be destroyed, and I love it. <laughs> I cannot wait. Merry Christmas, Michael! Hey! And a very Merry Christmas to you, Ian. Right, I hope you're enjoying this festive compilation, but it's time we took a little break for some adverts, hopefully, to help pay for this adventure. We'll be back after these messages. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now. And we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to part two of part one of my Christmas time capsule. It's all very simple, isn't it? I'll spare you the joke this time, you'll be pleased to hear, and just give you the gift of our next guest to choose something they'd want in a Christmas time capsule. And it's the ex-children's TV presenter, daytime TV presenter and weatherman turned DJ, the gorgeous Simon Parkin. Let's find out what he'll choose, shall we? I'm going to go with... Ah, Christmas. Now, unfortunately, my brain is not clever enough to remember what year the Christmas was. But I would have been maybe 10, 11, 12-ish. So Mm -hmm. I was at that sort of cusp age where you're neither a grown-up but you're not a child still. And so Christmas is a bit different than it used to be and will be very different than what it will become. Mm. And my mum always, always, I'm going to say for me, she would never buy traditional Christmas crackers. She would say she never bought cheap Christmas crackers. So we never had any dice rolling out of our Christmas crackers or nonky bits of plastic or the fish that does a funny thing in the end. Mm. She always bought Wade Whimsy Christmas crackers that had little pottery animals in them. Oh. And we still have all these years on, we have all of these animals. They're worth um, a fortune, aren't they? Weight well, uh, figures? Ours aren't because they've got like the duck's head has fallen off uh. and the uh, the fox has been glued together several times, <laughs> but they're all in my grandson's bedroom now. Oh, so they're all still part of the family. But this one year, and like I say, I would have been about 11 or 12, it was the year that my mum did not buy the Wade Whimsy Christmas crackers. She bought Christmas crackers that had whistles in them. And each whistle had a number on it. Mm. And someone was the conductor. So they had the the master music score and they conducted everybody playing a different whistle. So you'd like literally you do a toot and then Auntie Reenie would do a toot and Uncle Tom would do a toot. And eventually it would sound like a Christmas carol was Uh, the plan. That is brilliant. What a great idea. Where did she find that? Fantastic. I, I have no idea. Probably in the shop where they'd run out of Wade Whimsies. And she thought, well, I, I don't care. I don't want any that have got nail clippers in them. I want these ones. So we we had this big Christmas. My grand-granddad were there, uh, Auntie Rini and Uncle Tom, my, myself, my sisters, 
And we just laughed mm. for the minute the crackers were pulled and the minute we started playing this game and the whistles were blowing and we were all out of tune and everyone was forgetting. <laughs> and it was just the most incredible Christmas. And like I say, because I was at that slightly funny age, mm. it made Christmas very special in a way it had never been before. And it was it was also the year when we had a microwave for the very first time. So after many hours of whistleblowing, out came the idea, right, does anyone want uh, Christmas pudding? And so I think about two people wanted it because nobody ever really likes Christmas pudding. So my mum opened the tin for the Christmas pudding and read the instructions. Now, because it was microwave technology was quite new, there were no microwave instructions on there. Mm. So she put the pudding in the microwave and set it for the three and a half hours you put it on the stove for. So not only are we blowing the whistles and doing all of the, the festive tunes badly, suddenly there's this whiff of smoke comes out of the kitchen. Now, now we'd be thinking it's like the X Factor has been recreated in our living room. But, but back then there was this massive panic as a, a Christmas pudding that should have been microwaved for like three minutes was already at like 38. And so nobody had Christmas pudding that year. The Fire Brigade, thank God, weren't called but we didn't care because we all just played on our whistles oh, until brilliant. nighttime and until Morecambe and Wise came on. And it was traditionally the best Christmas ever till mm. next year, of course. Lovely. See, now, the inadvertent nature of that is what's gorgeous about it, isn't it? And I always think that if you try to make Christmas something, you say, I'm going to get there, I've got this game, we're going to play it, everybody sit around, I'm going to teach you the rules. But actually just something like that happening. I remember a Christmas where I decided that we would toot in the food as it arrived. Now, we always do that now. But just this one year, I bought these little blowers. And as the food came in, each round, ladies and gentlemen, the sprouts. (laughs) And then, of course, we had all these little blowers around the table. And after dinner, we played a game where we tried to see how many you could actually fully (laughs) extend in your mouth at the same time. And my brother-in-law did 13 blowers. Good grief. And they all rolled out and made a tune. Wow, he must have, firstly, a very large mouth and secondly, incredible lungs. Incredible lungs, yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure we could do it now as age has taken over. But it was was just hysterically funny for hours. Maybe let's drink. (laughs) Possibly. I think drink does help. But I think what we've established is Christmas noises are definitely the way forward. So mm. I think what we should do is we'll do a joint mod where you and your blowers, yeah. us and our whistles, <laughs> uh, we'll probably never be invited to the neighbours again is what I'm thinking. We will be some kind of the decibel level where we're getting letters from the council and everything, but we'll be laughing. Oh, it's a brilliant idea. I'm going to do an internet search and see if you can find <laughs> whistles in scales. So I'm going to hand them out this Christmas and we can have a go at it. Can I just say, go for whistle number eight? Because I seem to think there are more notes than any others. So, you know, you, you want to be the high-profile whistle. You don't want to be just the one toot and that's it, you don't. <laughs> no. You want the main note in jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> it's, sorry, it's a solo. It's just me. <laughs> it I think you'll find. I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> oh, Simon, thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Absolute pleasure and a Merry Christmas to you too. The lovely Simon Parkin. And just for him, here's the next cracker joke. What impact will the 20 mile an hour speed limit in Wales have on the charts this year? Well, Chris Rear will be driving home for Easter. 
Right, next up it's a stand-up comedian who really made an impact at this year's Edinburgh Festival, as I predicted when we chatted earlier this year. I say chatted, but for most of our episode, Lindsay Santoro made me laugh. So Lindsay is the perfect person to talk to about Christmas. Ho, ho, ho! My thing that I want to put in a in title is, is a very specific item, actually. And mm. it's... Um, and I've been trying to find one for ages and I can't. And it's it's like a, it's, 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 I think it was called like a Swedish angel chime, which sounds strange. So it was a little candle holder. Yeah. You put a candle in it and it only seemed to come out at Christmas. And everybody seemed to have this because I think they were in the Avon catalogue. <laughs> and a little candle holder. When the candle, the tea light burnt, the angels on the candle would turn around with the heat and it would cause a chime. They'd just go ting, ting, ting. And mm. it stems with me from Christmas because one of my first memories, and this is when I, not to ruin it for everyone, I really did believe in Santa. Sorry, he's not real. I apologize. I don't know, maybe there are children who said, yes, he is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and I remember being about five and my mum and dad must have put the Christmas tree up in the night. Mm. And when I came downstairs, I was standing in the hallway door, I could hear these chimes. And my mum was like, the fairies, the fairies are in there. They must be doing something. So I was like, "Ah!" and then I opened the door and the whole room was like Christmas trees, decorations and these chimes. I was like, it's the fair. And I just, (sighs) that's all, like, I, I, I keep seeing similar things, but they don't have the chimes on them. I'm desperate to find that. And I, I think that's one of them. Whenever I... I've got friends who've got the similar little, little thing. Whenever I see one, I just think of that lovely little memory of Christmas of being so excited and hearing the, an- the angels uh, and the fairies chime. And every time a bell rings, a fairy gets his wings. It does. You know, my husband hadn't seen that film. I made him watch it the other year and he was like, that's beautiful. I said, it is a beautiful film, isn't it? it? Is. It's nice. There's no peril. Well, there is peril, but mm-hmm. it's just heartwarming. Yeah. No, I love it. I love that film. Oh, I can't put that film in as well. <laughs> yeah, that put that film in and as the well. Angel that goes in automatically. That's one of those <laughs> things. It's just in there, whatever. Everybody's time capsule. In goes a DVD of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. yeah. You know what I would um, get rid of for Christmas, though, while I'm thinking of it, is mince pies. I don't like them. That's controversial. <laughs> Nobody People like does. Them. Nobody <laughs> likes them. I thought they were made with real meat. And they're not, are they? That's what put me off for ages. Yeah, of and course. I, I just thought, I don't want, I don't, I don't like mince pies. <laughs> I don't want shepherd's pie for me pudding. No, with custard on it. Yeah, what's wrong with people? <laughs> Disgusting. Thin that. Keep the fairy lights. My mum and dad had one of those jingly bell angel things. Did they? Yeah, bronze. It was a bronze yes. thing. With a little bronze bell. And as it went round, it, it, it sort of. chime. It would chime. It was lovely. But I, haven't, I haven't seen them for ages, and I feel like they exist somewhere. But mm. the establishments I normally go to, right, such <laughs> as B and M, will not will not house. They don't sell thing. them in Weatherspoons. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> they have to pay for ketchup. No, it's not me mad. No. Oh God! Well, they won't buy me. They do, but that's the type of people they are. And it's um, it's just a love. It's a lovely little trinket that whenever I see it or or I think about it, it just warms the cockles of my soul. Mm. Makes it feel a bit like oh, that's nice. And it's always nice to have. You know, when you have the things you get out just for Christmas. Yeah. You have your special Christmas candles and your Christmas wreath. <laughs> a candle that you you think one day I'll light that. Yeah. I'll light the top of that centre. 
<laughs> you'll slowly disappear. Yeah, it's what you, I mean. You never do. <laughs> Melted candle to you. Can't do it, Santa's can you? eye dripping out of his head. No. Poor Santa. My mum's got a nativity scene, and uh, baby Jesus went missing a long time ago, and he's been replaced by Miss Piggy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the thing. that's another thing about Christmas is you have your little, you've just got to make do and mend sometimes. You do, don't you? <laughs> She's got her heels on and everything. <laughs> Mum was like, I just panicked and shoved her in. I don't know where Jesus has gone. We've lost him. <laughs> I just panicked. <laughs> it's his birthday and he's the one gone missing, bless him. Poor Jesus. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, well, I hope that the jingly bell comes along that we can light that little candle for you and take you back to being a little girl and the magic of it because right, uh, yeah. that's what christmas is all about it is Lindsay, how lovely to see you thank you very oh, much take care <laughs> have a brilliant christmas and you Oh, I'm sure Lindsay will have a brilliant Christmas. As they say, all the fields we go, laughing all the way, as she always does. Right, getting near the end now, as you can tell by the fact that the Christmas cracker analogy seems to be fading fast, as am I, but our next guest will cheer anyone up. Although where he was for this little Christmas chat will probably piss most people off. Here from almost the other side of the world is the actor who is probably best known as Olivia Colman's dad in Peep Show, but was also in the wonderful comedy Him and Her, my favourite, Breeders, The Crown, and most recently, the TV series of The Full Monty. It's Paul Clayton, who is, as I think I'm about to reiterate, a complete bastard. You'll soon find out why. <laughs> you bastard. Hello. <laughs> Look at you in your bloody beach hut. I'm in the reception area of the luxury Cocoa Park Resort. Is it nice? It's beautiful. We keep having some little tropical showers, but it's very yeah. hot. And the Indian Ocean is like a warm bath, and it's about 10 foot from the deluxe beach villa that we have. So in the morning, we just get out of bed, run down the beach into the sea. And um, this morning we got up at 5.30 to go dolphin hunting. Did you catch any? No, because nobody told the fucking dolphins to put in an appearance. <laughs> We're having a private cinema experience tonight. We're going for dinner. When you finish dinner, you go back to your villa. They've put beanbags on the beach and a screen and a projector uh. and um, popcorn and sparkling wine. And the other day they said, what movie do you want? Because we'll download it and everything. I went, oh, shit, what movie do you want? <laughs> and I said, well, let's do Die Hard 2 because that's set at Christmas. So we're going to watch Die Hard 2 on a beach <laughs> at night in the Maldives. How marvellous. Look, I'm going to let you get back to your holiday. We're going to do a, a quick little something that you'd put into a Christmas time capsule. Okay. So what is the thing that you either love or loathe about Christmas that you'd want in a time capsule? I think Christmas to me has always been toys, playing, opening mm. things, unpacking them, playing toys. Uh, and, of course, there were toys that were bought you and they didn't work. And <laughs> in the old days when Christmas was closed for, you know, shops were closed for three or four days, um, I remember a, a scale electric Mm. which uh, held off its full joys for four days. Um, 
uh, and I, I ended up playing with a tin of corks and some matchsticks and making little Martians and my mother wishing that she'd obviously had the presence of mind to buy me a tin of corks rather than a scale electric. Um, <laughs> but my perfect presence are things to play with. Even now, going to in-laws, my, when I was married to my husband, I'm finding that his family didn't actually open their presents until after lunch, which was five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so this, the second year we did it, he bought me a drone to play with in the morning. Yeah. I was allowed to open that in bed privately so I could go and play with it because, you know, I thought, I know what's in that pile and I can't open it. <laughs> so I think um, there would have to be toys in this time capsule and I'm going to be very specific and I'm going to be a little bit naughty mm-hmm. because... Uh, we all give up a lot at Christmas. We all go to our families and we all put on a smile and we all enjoy it, <coughs> we say. Um, <laughs> but it does mean adjusting our lives. Uh, a lot of people sometimes say, I'd rather be with my mates around a table than with the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, uh, you have to make sacrifices in other departments. You go to your in-law's house, you're celebrating, you're having party time, and you can't have sex. <laughs> because mother and dad-in-law are next door. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to open my Christmas time capsule and I want to find a sex toy in there. <laughs> Perfect. Because I want something, something that will bring physical pleasure during the festive season. <laughs> and particularly if you're not allowed to open the other presents till five o'clock. Exactly. I want to get up early. I want one present I can open privately with my partner, 6am, and we can start playing with it together mm-hmm. on my own, depending whatever they bought. Um, <laughs> you know, there's an imaginative range on sale and online coming in plain brown packaging. So if people want to put something in that time capsule, something that delivers. <laughs> and of course, later on, if somebody needs to stir the gravy. Oh, no, that Michael, no. No, no, no. What an image. Can you imagine? Uh, yes, something for your father-in-law to whip up the eggnog with. <laughs> that would be novel. Oh, Paul, how lovely. Have a fantastic Christmas and thank you so much. All the way from the Indian Ocean. And you. I apologise. I hope that hasn't put you off your gravy. Or custard. Okay, last guest of this first part of My Christmas Time Capsule. And who else could it be than the man most associated with Christmas? Oh, I'm walking in the air. It's Alan Jones. Imagine thinking, let's do a Christmas time capsule and not asking you to be one of the guests. I'd be mortally offended. <laughs> I should imagine. <laughs> I think you have interest in, in Christmas. Don't you? you have a percentage well, yeah, come of on. it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, in a way, possibly you owe me this because we, since we last spoke, yeah, one voice full circle, straight in at number one. Yeah, it's I, done I, well, thank goodness. It's not all down to me, obviously. Well, I would say 90%. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> That's if, yeah, brilliant though. It's fantastic news. Oh, well thank done. you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's it's you know I, I never take it for granted, so it's it's one of those things which uh, yeah I'm thrilled really. You know it's um, yeah, uh, but now you know it's I, I'm realistic as well. It'll probably 
uh, slowly but surely die a death now. We've got I've got a few more TVs to do before Christmas, but that's that's how it is, you know. Yes, absolutely. Things come, things go. But actually absolutely. the people but it doesn't mean that the people who buy it don't keep playing it, you know. That's no, exactly. Some... Exactly, exactly. So um yeah, no, it's and, and I've had some lovely feedback from people. So, you know, that's 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 it, isn't it? Yes. And and really, your voice stays... Well, I think there's a maturity to it now, which is really nice. Liz, have you listened to sort of when, when you were in your 30s, say? Mm, it's a lot different now. It's very much a tenor voice. and uh, But also, but also, you know, it's interesting because Stuart Burroughs said back in the day that I shouldn't sing, you know, publicly till I was in... My, or professionally till I was in my 40s. And he probably right. had a... You know, um, that I feel I did a concert for Classic of M uh, this week, a couple of days ago, mm. and no microphone or anything, and... It was like kind of wow, where did that come from? It just sounds different, <laughs> really. It sounds more well manly, I suppose. Yeah, and suddenly it has body. Yeah, yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I know. To go with a person singing, he's got plenty of bloody body. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. And also, I'm now allowed to say to you that I'm going into Wicked. Oh well, that's great. Yeah, no, I saw the press release. That's brilliant. It's going to be such fun. You haven't started rehearsals yet? No, have you? no. February we start. Okay, it's going to be awesome. It will be extraordinary, won't it? Yeah. But what a thing to happen in my no, 60s. It's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. You never know where life's going to take you. No, I'll definitely come and see you as well. Uh, Fantastic. Let me know when you do. Yes, I'd love to. Okay, lovely. So what we're going to do is we're going to find out what you would put into a Christmas time capsule, Alan. Okay. Um, how many songs do I get? <laughs> <laughs> you can have an album full. I don't mind. <laughs> it's so tricky, isn't it? Because I have a mixture of music that I love um, massively um, that I would have to put in. So, for instance, uh, John Rutter's Candlelight Carol, um, uh, yeah. which is one of my favourite modern carols. Um, I would definitely love to put that in, probably sung by the Cambridge Singers. Um, mm. It's one of his most gorgeous carols. But equally, you know, when you mention Christmas to me, I instantly go back to Llandegvam Primary School in North Wales, sitting cross-legged on a wooden floor uncomfortably as a probably a little four-year-old with the, the smell of what was being prepared for lunch coming in through the shutters and the teacher with his guitar launching into Away in a Manger. And for me, that's my favourite carol in the world. You can give me Silent Night and uh, In the Bleak Midwinter and all those, Heart the Herald. But for me, there's, there's a magic about Away in a Manger that... Mm. Yes, it's childish, but for me, that's part of its charm. You know, I absolutely love the melody. I love the story. And whenever I hear it, I kind of almost get transported back to how I was as a kid. But also it takes me to that Christmas scene, if you like. Yeah. So I definitely want to put Away in a Manger as my number one. There's something quite special about that carol, I think, because it is a simple child's carol. But then yeah. as you get older and you get asked to do other things, you discover, for example, the tenor harmony in it. Yeah. Which in the second half of it, it's that beautiful rolling. The, yeah, gorgeous. It's just beautiful. Listen to me singing to you. What's going on? <laughs> well, I like it. Hey, this is an idea. This is the Netflix podcast duets. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've had it arranged for me by lots of different friends of mine. And, and yeah, there's potential to make it so gorgeously warm and Christmassy cheesy and all those mm -hmm. things which I love you know um but yeah it's 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 a carol for me that's up there I, I suppose it's you know every parent of a newborn turns around and goes though yeah whatever you know the little Lord Jesus he wakes up and no crying he makes yeah whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the king's brought frankincense myrrh gold no nappies 
Seriously? Not even a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's a gorgeous one. And then uh, you see the the problem I have then is that we go back to kind of the eighties and my era and you know, I love and you know, it's very apt this year more than ever, um, fairy tale of New York. Mm. I was uh, a huge fan of Kirsty McCall's uh, voice. I worked with her brother, who's an amazing guitarist. And for me, that song just has a, a, such a poignancy, and even more so now with both of them sadly departed. Mm. It's such a great melody, and you know, the, the you know the, the 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 yin and yang of Christmas, if you like, as well. Yeah. You know, you've got away in a manger, which is so beautiful, and so <laughs> it portrays such a beautiful scene. Then you've got this kind of fairy tale of New York, which. Uh, calls it as it is really but um i just still think it's brilliant one of there's some really dodgy footage of uh lorraine kelly and myself performing mm -hmm. this um a, a weak moment whilst we were presenting daybreak one of the producers says oh we'd love to record you singing fairy tale of new york and lorraine, lorraine went for it more than me that's all i'll say <laughs> yes i bet <laughs> you went if you insist Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, they said, we'll only play it once and it's there for posterity, which comes around every Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so every time I go on her show, she always plays it. <laughs> but it's lovely, though, that you have that memory of a childhood sitting in the school hall, because for a lot of your childhood, you must have been unbelievably busy at Christmas. Yeah, even from being a, a chorister, you know, and I, I think back now to how pressured that was. When I was a chorister at Bangor Cathedral, I wasn't really pressured at all. But for Christmas, and we'd have those, you know, carols for Christmas books. There was one, two, and three, or whatever, different colours, and we'd always have to be flipping from one to the other, to one to the other, to go do the carols. And you drop your book, and you'd get told off. And <laughs> and every night it seemed that we were singing these carols. And you'd think, having done it for you know four solid years as a chorister, and then carried on, that I'd be fed up of them. But isn't it amazing that there's a magic in these pieces of music that just mm. kind of stay there, really? And so, um, yeah, you know, I never tire of the Christmas carols. And, you know, I did a concert this week. Well, I've done three this week. And <laughs> you know, a lot of carols, a lot of In the Bleak Midwinter, but there's always something in them. You know, my particular favourite at the moment is the Austrian carol, you know, Still, Still, Still. Mm, beautiful. Still, still, still. Da, 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 da. It's just so beautiful. And, and they're very, so clever because, you know, as I say, the words, the music together just, perfect marriage and it just transports you and hopefully the audience somewhere else you know mm. it's a wonderful thing i think even if people are not religious it's something very special to go to a carol concert it's a sense of community i think all those people coming together and in a way strangely we all have this thing in us where we know these things we know these tunes yeah and the chance to sing with people the only other time is football so <laughs> you, you might as well take it yeah, and you don't hear many away in the mangers on uh, in the clock end in Arsenal. <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> but maybe you will now. You never know. Yeah, We've said knows? that. You know, maybe uh, the Boxing Day match will be uh, full of the carols. <laughs> it would be a crying shame if I hated Christmas, having been involved in that song. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, hand on heart, uh, I say to you that it's my favourite time of year. I love the music. I love how everyone acts. I love uh, the feel-good aspect of it. You know, what's not to love? Indeed. Absolutely. Well, thank you for so many lovely memories of Christmas that you've given us over the years. And uh, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas yourself. And you too. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Twinkle Toes tread the boards <laughs> in the new year. <laughs> 
I'm only sad that you won't be painted green from head to toe because (laughs) it stays on forever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Alan. Cheers. (laughs) Well, I think there's a chance that I may be painted green soon. We all dress up for Christmas lunch at our house, and this year I'm going as a sprout. Yeah, you may be able to tell that I've been drinking whilst recording this. Okay, that's all from this episode, but we'll be back soon with more Christmas wishes from this year's guests. This was a cast-off production produced by John Fenton Stevens. I hope you enjoyed it and will join us again. I'll leave you with this awful cracker joke. How should you keep warm this winter if you're worried about heating bills? Wrap yourself in tinsulation. Yeah. Makes you feel like life's almost not worth living, doesn't it? Pass the gin. Merry Christmas. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops, if we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.